Hey everybody, it's SBO Perspectives, and we're here another week. John and I, I mean, each week just going on and on, but I like to formally introduce myself, Jack Mitchell, and this is my, my great partner, John Bricado. And so today, you know, we, we figured that we always try to do something new, like there are three different areas. You know, we wanted to always talk about maybe folks that are close to the SBO world, whether it be a politician or even superintendents and stuff like that. And then also another tier, looking to perspective of vendors and partners that we work with. And, and then of course, our peers, right? SBO, great leaders across the state and even outside the state as well as international. Just giving you different topics to speak upon and discuss pertinent issues that are coming up. One of the issues that we thought that John and I would speak on today, and so we don't have a guest, is UPK. And so there's a huge dialogue around UPK right now because as you know, the state is allocated a lot of money and John could talk more about that too. You know, it's funny. We were talking right behind the scenes, right, John, before um we, we started rolling on this. And I didn't know that there were some districts that didn't get an allocation. Yeah, I mean, there are some districts across the state that didn't get any additional allocation. I had previously worked in a district where we had a universal pre-K program is incredibly successful and we started to expand that program. And at my district now we don't receive any UPK funding and it doesn't look like we will anytime soon in the future. And that goes to kind of the ARPA and CURSA funding that came out recently. My district didn't get any of that either. And I know at least for that, they base it on Title I funding, but with the UPK program funding, that's unfortunately something that we aren't able to take advantage of. But Jack, I know that you were really interested in starting a UPK program in your district and you have been for some time. It's just, mm-hmm. I know, you know, as a, as a business official, where where's the money coming from and how is that going to work? And it is a pretty heavy lift to kind of organize all of this. So I think that's mm-hmm. why we wanted to talk about UPK today. And so not only am I excited about that, but I'm excited that we're switching the format up. It's just you and me, bud. <laughs> Gotta go back. Yeah, back to, oh, you know what? You know, it's going to be funny here. <laughs> I got a contest. So we're gonna talk about the UPK oh, stuff right now. You. It's gonna be good universal pre-K for the world, but then I, on the end is is mono e mono, okay? Yeah, stay tuned for the <laughs> little got, uh, got, the contest. We got something going on. All right, so you know what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna break it down. So I wanna say knock on wood. I don't have wood next to me, so I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but <laughs> but I can say that my district is endeavoring to do universal pre-K for the first time. You know, as John said two years ago, they thought about doing it. Uh, we never really had the space, but now receiving several hundred thousand as an allocation, you know, started off, you know, reaching out to peers back in May, you know, we got this allocation, like, wow, you know, what do we do? How do we do this? You know, we don't have the space, but, you know, then there were a couple of universal pre-K, you know, seminars. I know most folks have been on those and you know, Questar as well. We all got dialogue out there about it and it was great. So here's what I did. Step one, RFP. I worked with my attorneys to make sure we did, you know, a real ironclad, you know, proposal because that's key. You want to have it so that it definitely protects your district and then it speaks to exactly what you need and what you want in the program. So for my district, we were allotted 48 students, you know, except several hundred thousand. And so, you know, with that, we still didn't kind of have that much direction, but we did the RFP. We got back responses, you know, we went with the lowest. And, you know, reaching out to them at first, it was like, you know, there were things that they had questions about, you know, well, we were going to use their space. Oh, and by the way, let me take a step back. In order for me to even do the RFP, I looked on the Office of Child Family Services. So that's OCFS. They have all these licensed community-based providers, and they're the ones who, you know, we just 
we sent things out to, you know, we gave did it, you, we, did you use that list to send the RFP to all of those providers? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that we were told to first use what's in our area, but we didn't have any in our area. So where do you even okay. go? Did you just kind of word of mouth? Like, what does that even mean? Well, no. Well, there, there were some on the, on the borders. So like, you know how we're, we're one town, we looked at all the borders all around. Right. So we sent out to local, it's still local, but it's not within our, our, our border, our Valley Street 24 uh, jurisdiction, but we right. sent out. And so it was just based on what was on our website. You know, there were about, I want to say maybe between two dozen to maybe about 30, you know, so odd CBOs and different, you know, organizations, that's community-based organizations where we said, okay, here's the address, here's the phone. Well, actually, you know, it's funny. There wasn't an address. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me break this down a little more granular. There was a phone number and a name and, you know, it also lists if they're in good standing, but then I called, I called everybody. I didn't even like- Did the, did the numbers work? Some of them didn't work. Some, of them, <laughs> some people thought I was a <laughs> I'm still a marketer. You know, I'm like, listen, I actually I had a I actually had a pitch. I had a pitch. I had a line, like like almost like I was cold calling, like back in my Merrill Lynch days. Like, wait a second, I'm trying to get your business. Why am I doing all this work? <laughs> exactly. They're like, what? Like we we like we don't want to do. I was like, what? You guys don't want? I'm sitting RFP. I'm not asking for your business. It was right, funny. Right. Some conversations were real funny. I wish I recorded them. Right. But yeah, you know, I finally got the the emails and I sent them all via email, return receipt, and it was great. So you find any CBOs that were pretty close to your district? Because obviously, when you're introducing a program like this to your mm-hmm. community you'd want it to make it as accessible as possible. So you obviously don't want people driving halfway across the county to drop their kids off. So how did you end right. up with finding places that are well, close to your district? Well, we were fortunate that the lowest one was like within like two miles. Oh, perfect. Even, you know, so it was on the border. And so, you know, we were really excited because like, wow, we got some on. Now it's like, you know, set the agreement. You know, you know, and put in a resolution, which was which worked out okay. Just that in the summertime, there's such a big gap between resolutions, you know what I mean? And when you have the board dates. So that was a little bit tricky because we couldn't really get that to the beginning of July. Meanwhile, I had to, you know, get things out because once that's rolling, you know, you gotta get the word out. Right. right. You want to make sure that all the parents and community, so we put it on a website. Went through the residency office. You know, we did the paper. We did the ad there. You know, we went word of mouth. We did an article. We got an article done, you know, to show that, hey, listen, this is the first time we're running this. So it was a big, big push. Parents, everything online, you know, flyers. And it actually felt good, you know, because we're pushing it out and it was going the first time. And then we had it set up. Yeah, we had it set up. So there, there is some other parameters. I don't know if you were involved in this process before, but folks should know that, you know, we had set up a lottery in case we got more than the 48. And I say in case, because fortunate for us, we didn't, we got, we got a few under that number. And, you know, and I was also told the best practice is that you keep ones that come after your deadline on a waiting list. Right. Cause if somebody drops out, you can choose from a list. Correct. Yes. Yes. So that's good practice as well. So but the lottery, unfortunately, a Serene, my claims order was going to be able to do it. We we're going to do Google random generator. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to do it that way, you know, Zoom. Not oh, Zoom, you're stream but, um, it? Stream, yeah, live stream. I don't know why I said Zoom. Because <laughs> we're too I'm zoomed out all the time. <laughs> I can't, I can't wait till the Zoom stuff is over, man. I'll tell you. I know, so, I know. So we're very fortunate. And then like now, but then you thought it was done, John. What do you think happened next? Boy, I don't know. It's a brand new program. And did you have a lot of 
community involvement prior to a lot of people requesting the UPK program? No, but we thought we did. And I know local politicians are asking for it for a while, but since we never had the space, we were Well, that was going to be my next question. If you didn't have the space, were you looking for providers that had space that they could yeah. give to the community? Mm-hmm. And so with that, the rules state that, you know, you only have up to, well, you could have, I think it's, was it 18 or 20? I can't remember the number. I can, I can tell you this though, for folks In listening classroom? out there, yeah, you have to have a teacher along with another adult in the room. Yes. Uh, so I know that's definitely so much stuff I looked up with that, but there's Jason Breslin. I must say his name. Great, great man with the rector of the early <laughs> learning uh, department. And he, I mean, he was so responsive. I had a cell number, his regular number, email got back to me. I probably hit him a dozen times. So I thought so that was crazy. Any question you had, you just reached out to him and he was a good resource. Yeah. Because there were questions about like amounts and costs we could use you know, teachers we could use. Then there's something called Eckers. You heard of Eckers? That's no. like, the, so Eckers is like the, the the learning base of what you can provide to, to students on certain levels for like, you know, things that you, that are part of instruction, millipolis and stuff like that. So the, the next hurdle was, it was almost like a startup. You know, yeah. we got to get, we had to get furniture. So even though there's a program that had something, they didn't have something for us. Lucky for us, they had three classrooms, right? Mm-hmm. They were getting three teachers and and they also got, you know, three assistants. But we learned we can get study plan teachers. So we got two of them and one lead teacher. So that's the key in these in these three classes we have. So we went over there, you know, we visited, we checked it out, we expected it out. It was, pretty, it was really nice. Um, the people, you know, we saw them, they're very clean and very neat and everything, you know, seemingly worked out well. And we're going to start up. And I'd say, you know, one of the other pieces is now the financing, right? And so like, you know, everything has to go through us. So we got to get those orders in, do yeah. make sure school specialty, things like that. Again, you know, we agreed to what we needed, what we wanted. But it was tough because, you know, they have a budget um, for stuff that they do in their own programs, you know, and overhead. So it was kind of so like, you know, in a mix. And then the last parameter is, and I don't know, did you have this in your district, someone who oversees the program? We did. So we used a, a CBO similar to what you are um, about to okay. do, but we had uh, we had our program on premise. So we had extra space at my district at the time where oh, we, nice. we had over 100 kids. It was a, it was a big district, but we had wow. a, yeah over 100 UPK kids participate. But we designated somebody on our district staff that was kind of the liaison with the CBO organization. We used the uh, YMCA they they had all their staff come on premise. And what I was going to remark to something that you said prior is kind of you went out there, you visited everybody. And I realized that that's a really important piece to a successful UPK program is to keep that channel of communication open, keep those relationships going. Because even though it's a separate organization, they're still your kids. They're still going to be your kindergartners the next year. Correct. So you want to make sure that you have a very healthy relationship with that CBO. Well, I want to ask you about that. I want, I want to finish how, how we just wrapped up, right? And I want to ask about, like, the importance of having a program, but also the sustainability and what you did year to year. And, like, were there any, like, as far as measures you took, assessments, things like that, to kind of, like, gauge the program year to year and make improvements, right, so we can sustain it and things like that. But I, I'll just wrap on my end. You know, like I said, we were about to start. But once we got everything in line with our orders and things like that, I'm able now to also set up from the fund and the bank. I had to set up a special account so that I could ACH funds to them. 
because since it's brand new, it's like they want to start up capital, but I'm like, hey, listen, we're starting up too. Right. Um, so we worked out, you know, in our agreement also that we're going to receive the attendance every two weeks. And we did, we did assign our director of curriculum to oversee the program. Mm -hmm. And she's been very active and working out and working with me to get this up and running. So it's been great. I'm really excited. This is the first time and producers out there, you know, doing this, you know, once that was all done, I think about two weeks ago and I, you know, I was looking for this all in July and it wasn't even there. I was looking in the portal to actually put in your budget, you know, like it's, it works a little bit different. These funds are definitely going to come to us based on how many kids we have. And you go yeah, in there. It's, it's enrollment based yeah. for sure. Yeah. You go in there, you put a number in and it tells you like how much is going to be allocated to you. Like, and since ours is a little bit less than 48, we got a different number. We didn't get the full 300, but we're able to say that, Hey, listen, we're getting about $5,400 per student, blah, blah. So we know that's going to go directly toward the instruction and teaching and the salaries. But then there's some other intangibles as well. But yeah, we definitely went in, Sadas, assigned me, <laughs> user, so that I could actually see Office of Early Learning. So those of you out there, make sure if, if you've never done it before, you got to get assigned in a portal to actually see yeah, it. Yeah, get the right permissions yep. to get in there. Um, and once you're in there, you know, you do your FS10, Actually, the FS10 doesn't even get uploaded in there. It actually gets mailed. A lot of our yeah. um, stuff we do gets uploaded on the portal. But this was was a very seamless, I want to say, like maybe three-page application, if that. Three, and a lot of it just cursory. So, you know, filling information. So that was pretty much it. But now, getting back to you, you know, like, what did you guys do each year to prepare it? And what did you do, like, like closing out and, like, like, as far as equipment, logistics, the people? Talk to me a little about the UPK so people can know, I guess, and I can know too, like what, what to do moving forward with my team. So I, I think, like I said, mine was a little different only because it was our facilities housing the program, although it was a third party that was administering the, the pre-K program. But I mean, we had very similar expectations as to kind of what you just outlined. So, you know, with our agreement, there were certain stipulations that the YMCA had to meet. And one of those, like you said, attendance of, of children on a daily basis was something, class lists of children, progress reports at least twice yearly. I mean, we mm -hmm. had a lot that was stipulated in the contract because like I had mentioned before, although they're UPK kids and we're not getting foundation aid, so to speak, they're, they're our kids and we want to make sure there's a vertical alignment with the rest of our instructional program. So that's right. why we had a designee on our staff to really work alongside the YMCA staff to ensure that there's a seamless transition from UPK in a CBO organization to my district at the time and, you know, our instructional program. So there was a lot stipulated in the contract on the instructional side, but also kind of on the non-instructional side where Jack, you and I kind of get more involved we were responsible for furniture. We, we were responsible for supplies. So we had to build all of that into that UPK grant that came to us on an annual basis. So again, what I had mentioned before, it's important that you maintain that, that strong relationship with the CBO because you're working with them to essentially build out a mini budget within your budget every year. So you want to rely on them because they're the boots on the ground. They're looking at what they need instructionally. And you want to make sure that you're providing what your kids need, but you also have some kind of oversight on the instructional end to make sure that the right supplies and the right materials are being delivered to your kids and that, that it's not just kind of all over the place. And that there is 
some kind of alignment with your overall instructional plan. So that was something we had to go through every single year. And, you know, you can put a portion of your curriculum person salary in the in the grant too to kind of offset those expenditures. So we did some similar things where we could offset those expenses that would normally be captured in the general fund, but put mm-hmm. them through the, the the UPK grant, which was helpful because, you know, every dollar counts when we're trying to build a, the general fund budget. So question then, you, did you use up to your allotted amount, like as far as the number of kids or did you go over? Did you have to supplement or you had all the money you needed as far as we we did have we had all the money we needed up until okay. i believe it was it was either 2018-19 or 2019-20 and the allotment had changed mm. that we were that we were anticipating so what i had done is i negotiated a, an agreement with the YMCA nice. and the amount that we would pay them was contingent on a per student enrollment, but it couldn't exceed 88% of our overall grant because I wanted to capture 12% of that for overhead expenses, yes. salary expenses. So I yeah, built in buffer. kind of a buffer yeah. for me. And nice. that's that's how I structured the agreement. They were incredibly amenable to that proposal. It took a little while to kind of Good. work through it because it was it was kind of a different creative way of thinking because I wanted to protect mm-hmm. my end of the business and not have to dip into any general fund money. But yeah. I also wanted to respect that they had a, their own business to run. So we kind of, yeah, we landed on that because 12% is kind of where we were hovering around for like overhead expenses for the district that, you know, we couldn't pass on to the, um, the CBO. Everybody, that was a good adjustment. Wow. That was really good to do that, you know, and like not like you said have to let it infringe on your own budget. That, that's a really good deal. Right. And we and we built it too, where we would pay them once a quarter or somewhere mm-hmm. around that. It would, it would be the first day of September, December, March, and June. So they knew that those payments would be coming. But again, it was all based on enrollment. So there were some mm-hmm. metrics. And that's why it was so important that what you and I had mentioned previous of keeping class you, lists and da- daily attendance, it's important to, to have that done. You know, what's funny when you mention your tennis now, that's one of the questions I have for Jason. So I don't know if folks don't know this or not. So I asked them, because I didn't know, obviously, first time doing this. I said, so what if we have some kids who start off the year, but then drop out? Do we lose that money for those kids? And the question, the, he answered question, no. He said, it's, so, it's sort of similar like Beds Day. Yeah. Like, what, what do you have on your Beds Day, you know, in October? You know, if they leave in November, December, whatever have you. It's still fine. So for those of you out there, I don't know, did you have any issues of like attendance with kids in and out? No, it wasn't, it wasn't too transient of a program for us. I mean, once we had kids enroll, they typically stuck around, but you know, some of the language I used in in terms of payment was, Mm -hmm. you know, we would pay the provider X amount per enrolled student based on a quarterly average Mm -hmm. enrollment. So we would do look back on the enrollment and then administer the payment based on what that was. So it wasn't just, you know, you set the enrollment in September and then that's the same throughout the Mm -hmm. remainder of the year. We did run up against some funding issues because our enrollment had dropped. The state was seeing some of that, but we were still obligated to pay a higher rate. So that's why we kind of tweaked our contract a little bit to, to be more fluid and to be a little more That's reactionary good. to what we were actually seeing in the classroom. It wasn't just, you know, set the rate, set the enrollment, and that's it. It could move a little bit based on, you know, the enrollment. Yeah, so I think I know you know, this. You never had issues with cash flow, but I'm wondering if districts out there 
that could be like rolling along in this and utilizing the fund. Did you guys just file your FS10 at the end of the year and get and get the monies back for the UPK program? Or did you kind of like do some early advancement to get it throughout the year? And I don't even know if you could do that for UPK or not, but I'm just curious from your end. If memory serves me, I'm pretty sure we just filed it towards the end because our district was big enough where cash flow wasn't too big of an issue for us. Okay. So we, we weren't struggling too big there. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah. Wow, UPK, I mean, it's, it's something totally different, but I wanted to say this, and but you know, when I look at a lot of studies, and you probably have seen too, the importance of UPK, and I'm, I hope that a lot of districts are making this endeavor to get into it, especially these funds are on the table, right? Right. And, and oh, you, you know what's so funny about the funds is that they were counted in our, in our aid. So like- Well, that's the thing too. When you go to, for anybody who is new to UPK in terms of just a macro funding level- they throw mm-hmm. that into your aid calculation in your state aid run. So it looks like, oh my goodness, I got all this extra money, but you need to back that out because you know that's not a general yeah. fund aid, that's technically an F fund aid. Correct. So yeah. that's that can be a little confusing. You, you're thinking you're getting this huge windfall, which mm-hmm. I mean, you're still getting it, but you're, you can't count it in your general fund budgeting. So you don't want to put that in a state aid funding code for your revenue right. and then all of a sudden realize that you have a few hundred thousand dollars not showing up in your general fund. Exactly. That, that, that's the one point. And that's why I think for us, we'll probably just wait in a year as well as a file. But, you know, when it comes to this program, I just think that, you know, we, we've been talking offline too. just the importance of having your kids, right? Ultimately, our goal, we're SBLs and all. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, our goal is supporting the program, right? Providing quality instruction and having success in academic achievement, right? Right. For all of my students. Right. So, so this, this kind of like yields to when students are coming to kindergarten, you know, what level are they, are they prepared? You know, and nowadays, you know, we have different standards, next gen, and we're, we're preparing, you know, the 21st century learners. But I think that it's extremely important that the districts utilize these funds. If they have them, they can, because we know the importance of just kids learning that level, right? You know, sometimes nurseries, you know, they're fun, you know, kids have to have their, their playtime, but the instructional level was needed to prepare them to get in kindergarten is not there. So UPK, I think that's where it comes in and really gives them that added edge and gets them right in line, right? Yeah, you're, ab- you're absolutely right. You're giving these kids an edge because they're not only being introduced to more of the structure as it is with school, but just think from a social emotional level where they're getting to interact with their peers and people and kids they've never met before. And maybe kids from different backgrounds and ethnicities and races, and they're getting that exposure earlier on. And I think that only goes to serve them even more so as they progress through kindergarten throughout their entire public education career. So I, mm-hmm. as you did, Jack, I would encourage anybody who has access to that funding, jump on it. And hopefully your community is supportive and you get that enrollment because you're just, again, better serving the kids that you that you have in your district and coming through anyway. So why not start earlier? Yep. Yep. Definitely good stuff. Definitely good stuff. Well, I think we kind of, I don't want to say we fully exhausted UPK, but I think we provide a good synopsis for folks out there. Like, like you said, just trying to do this and trying to get a better understanding of it. I mean, I did my homework. I did my research. <laughs> you uh, have to, man. You have to. And, and it, it was fun. And I'm really excited the next month ours will officially launch. So having said that, let's get, let's <laughs> this, get this is what I'm excited for. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So now the listeners don't know, but John has a Peloton. I do. Recently acquired. 
about yes. three weeks ago. And, and, so, I, and, and I got I have to say, disclaimer, I thought it was all hype and it was this goofy thing and like totally <laughs> oversold. But I'm telling you, I got on that for the first week and I'm a convert. I love it. It's so immersive. I'm, I'm competitive and it's got a leader board function to it. You can race against people live. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. But yes, just got a Peloton. And with that, okay, John and I both are Apple, a- Appleians or whatever you want to call us, right? He's in Apple products. I'm in Apple products. We both have Apple Watch. And so we also have Apple Fitness Plus. Right. And so <laughs> this guy, every day, he wants to give me like, he doesn't give me kudos. He wants to give me like, like motivation. I mean, it's like, okay, <laughs> um, you're just not closing your rings. That's it. Like, like, like what's going on? So I saw, I noticed the other day, he had a big, big, I mean, like, oh, his rings is calorie, like three times a cycle. For those out there, you'll have a ring, uh, you know, yeah, for your movement ring, you got your exercise right. ring and your standard ring. Mm-hmm. So the movement ring, it's, it's based on your individual metrics and it, it may change week to week. They try to, the exercise ring is what, 30 minutes a day at least. And then stand yep. is at least 12. You can change all that, but th- that's pretty much standard. But yeah, standard. I think it was the past Saturday. Like I was at 300%. I was on the move, man. Yes. I have it right here. August 21st, <laughs> 2021. <laughs> but so you did have 1,620 calories. Your daily uh, calorie lever is 510 minus 700. I mean, I'm a taller guy. I had, I'm surprised because I had 1,500, but you know what? My watch went dead. I got to say that if there was a challenge, you would have beat me that day. I actually did about 50 miles on the bike. Oh, wow. So I have a cycle. I have a Cannondale. Carbon, carbon fitted fire is great. You know, a couple G's, but I, listen, it's worth it. People are like, oh, it's a bike. No, it's great. No, it, but, but I got to tell you, we need to do a contest right now. So I'm going to let you call the terms. This is going to be another loss for you, like the Buffalo Bills. Unfortunately, <laughs> you lost that bet. <laughs> I love, love you, the Bills, too, but I'm sorry, right. I lost that bet. They did not go and win the Super Bowl. So, so, so here's basically, what, here's what I propose. Okay. <laughs> So we can, we can start simple. So, you know, the, the Apple watch has a competitive feature to it, right? So I can Mm -hmm. initiate a competition with you and it gives us, I don't know, so many points per day based on what our our metrics Mm -hmm. are. So, you know, we both like to cycle. I'm stationary indoors. You like to get out on the road. I think between that and just our regular exercising, we'll start there and we'll see who finishes victorious in a seven day competition. What do you think about that? So but that's the thing, though. I, I know for a fact, you know, this is some serious stuff. Like when I go out on the, on the, um, on the bike, I mean, I'm riding. I'm out there. I'm locking in with the pedals. You know, I got the outfit, everything. <laughs> God, <laughs> tell me. But I, but I, I want to show you. Like, so I did Ocean Parkway. So I did the run from like Cedar, to Jones Beach, all the way out to the end. And I came back and I even came to the mill again. Uh, Oak Oak Beach. I, I mean, like, I can't cycle every day. I know you do. You do Peloton every day. Is that something you do every single day? Almost every day, yeah. All right. So that's the only thing. Hey, I, I want to show you. Like, this is exactly. You probably this can't see, but this is like how. If you look here, you can see. Oh, it's a long ride. Distance forty six point four eight miles. Yeah, and that's pretty much like how. The, the map. So I use an app called Strava. It keeps track of everything and it, go, it feeds into your Apple. All right. So we'll, we'll just go ahead and do a seven day challenge. We'll see how many total calories 
what we should do is like the Apple Watch has its own metrics because you it'll it'll compare our individual activity. So at the end of that seven days, okay. you know, we'll see who's victorious. So what so I'll do is five. I'll send you a challenge on the watch and you accept and then we'll take it from there. And we'll post the results on our website, sboperspectives.com. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then, like, we should have people who wage out there for us. Who's going to win? Is it going to be Jack or is it going to be John? We'll get a poll going. We'll get poll on, <laughs> see who's going to win. And then maybe next time get some wages. No, I don't know. We got we to gotta get a license in New York State. They're still working on that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, online betting for, for uh, exactly. fitness competition. One All stipulation, right, well, though. One stipulation. What's that? Can we start the competition next week, Thursday? Because I'm going to be out of town for a few days for a wedding. And I don't know that I'm going to have access to any exercise equipment. Mm, okay, that's fair. September 2nd. Oh, so you, want to, you can't even start on the first? You want to start on the second? Well, I'm going to be on a plane all day. I can give you a leg up if you need it. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I'm about to take it. All right, now we'll do September. I mean, listen, if you go hard, right, you can do something before you get in the, the airport. Just go. Go there when your plane's about to leave and run through the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Just run to my terminal, close all my rings. <laughs> Get a few there. All right, we'll we'll go ahead. I'll just be fair. We'll go ahead. All right, all right. 2nd. So we'll we'll start September second. We'll get the we'll get all the right. progress up on the website, and we'll see nice. see if people um, want to take a couple fun. couple votes. That'll be fun. Good stuff. Well, listen, everybody out there, as always, every week, we appreciate you listening. We got more in store. All right, John, um, we're wrapping up this quarter really strong. Yeah. Um, a lot more episodes, labeled on topics, set up. So as Jack said, thanks, everyone. We we always love doing these episodes. They get more and more informative and we look forward to each upcoming episode and publishing these and really honestly getting feedback from all of you guys so if anything pops up in your minds that you would like to hear us discuss or if you'd like to be a guest on the show please reach out to us sboperspectives at gmail.com or go to our website to get in touch with us we're on twitter um, we're on linkedin so we're, we're ex- as accessible as we can be but we'd love to hear more from you directly so Again, just let us know what you want to hear. We'll love to uh, to have anybody on and we'll, we can see what we can bring in the future. So uh, thank you everybody for listening today and we'll talk soon. I'm Jack Mitchell. I'm signing off. And John Bricado. John, thank you everyone. Away.